Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by digital sports reporter for Bally Sports West, Taylor Felix. Taylor and I reminisce about the early days of Fangirl Sports Network, while Taylor emphasizes the importance of being open to and taking opportunities. Taylor also talks about preparation and how the 2018 NBA All-Star Game helped her grow as a host and a reporter. She also gives great tips for building your brand and so much more. This is a fun one, so make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. Absolutely. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Fangirl Sports Network, we used to have a little bit of a different model. And there were fangirls for a variety of teams. And Taylor was my very first original fangirl, Rams fangirl, the year they moved to LA. So it's so fun to get to talk to you. I know the very first that was like a lifetime ago. <laughs> it really was. It was a lifetime ago, but we would do videos. We'd shoot every Tuesday. We do hair yeah. makeup together and do our videos and the whole thing. And it was it was really fun. Uh, but it, it does really so feel fun. like a lifetime ago. But much has happened since. Um, and I want to talk about all of it. So Taylor, if you could start by taking us through your professional journey to this point. Yes. Um, so I I feel like everyone who's in the sports industry has probably had a really interesting road to get to where they are now. But my journey, um, I went to USC for college and I studied communications, broadcast journalism, and I thought I wanted to be in news. And they told me I was going to have to be at the courthouse every day. And I said, absolutely not. So <laughs> I um, decided to pursue a career in the business side of things. So I had every internship you could think of in college taking on the business side of things. So an agent, a booking agency, um, Vanity Fair, writing, kind of all of those things. And I thought that that's the way my life was going to go. I was also a song girl at USC in my senior year. Um, Fox Sports West had reached out to my coach and said, we're hosting a contest for girls to become Fox Sports West girls, which were social media personalities. And at this time, I'd secured a job out of college. I was probably two months out of graduating and my mom encouraged me to do it. She was like, You're, you love sports, been a dancer my whole life. So I grew up on the sidelines and she was like, it's a really great way for you to kind of stay involved in sports. So I applied. I did not know 600 girls from USC were also going to apply. Um, And it worked out. I got enough votes. I made it to the top 10, had a couple interviews. And then um, I got the job with another girl. And I that was kind of my foot in the door to Fox Sports West, which is where I'm currently at, which is now called Bally. That's a whole other conversation. But um, I started at Fox Sports West two months before I graduated. And um, basically, I was a social media personality, encouraging tune in. And then 
I I stuck with my full-time job as well. After about a year and a half, I decided because I was getting more opportunities on air, which was something that I just didn't think was going to happen through this small avenue in Fox Sports West that I decided to quit my full-time job, go to Fox Sports West full-time. So I did that. And then of course, just my luck and my timing, they took away the Fox Sports Girls program nationwide. So then I was left jobless, basically, um, three years out of college. And I didn't know what to do, but I knew that I found something that I really loved. So I tried to stay connected to all of my bosses at Fox Sports West. Um, I offered my time free, no pay. Um, And I remember two of our bosses were out on maternity leave at the same time and they needed some extra hands. So I said, oh my gosh, I'll do it. So I was in marketing for like a year And um, I did marketing and social media at Fox Sports West, but I strategically tried to put myself in front of the camera. So I would encourage different ways to um, have tune in, go out on social media. And those certain ways included me in front of the camera. (laughs) Um, And so I think through slowly doing that, I started to earn the trust of my bosses again because it had been a minute. And then about a year later, I had auditioned for my current role and I did not get it. Someone else got it. And I was so bummed because I thought that it was like the right time. And four or five months later, my boss called me and said, it didn't work out. We're bringing you on your contracts being signed. So it was kind of interesting. And the role I was auditioning for was a digital sports reporter role at Fox Sports West. So it and just I believe happened you were at, at that time. Yeah. I believe you were, you were at Fangirl during that time. I believe I was at Fangirl. Yeah. And so that's the other thing is um, I had started to take on really any and every opportunity. And one of my sorority sisters, Kelsey, um, had reached out and she knew that I was kind of looking for a job and mentioned Fangirl. And I was like, yes, I don't need to know anything else. Like I want to start because I didn't have a real, I didn't have anything. And so um, I started at Fangirl. I think I was with you for like almost a year before I started at Fox because I remember we were sitting in hair and makeup. I'm like, I have this interview and I'm so nervous. Yes, I do remember that. And then I remember you saying, but they already said that I'll still be able to do Fangirl. Which was great. I think you were. I think you were. Compete. You had had been through, you'd been through the first football season and I believe this was during Clippers fangirl like it was during yes I think season. you're right it was during mm-hmm. the spring yes I believe if, if the if memory serves as we said it was no, like I think you're before, right but if memory serves <laughs> no you're totally right because my first like um actual event with Fox Sports West as their digital reporter was hockey season in March so yeah that yes. would have been um, Clippers. So yeah, I like started at Fangirl, um, got this opportunity. I was able to keep both and I did both until I, literally the pandemic until you changed the model of Fangirl Sports Network. Yeah. And then um, I'm still at Bally Sports West, but things have obviously changed drastically with the pandemic due there. But that's always kind of like my quick um, journey to where I've, how I got in the door at Fox Sports West. I think people always wonder because I think you hear in broadcast, you have to go work a million small markets before you can get into a big market. And I totally understand and respect that. But that was just my journey. I got lucky. I got my foot in the door and I just tried to keep it in the door. Well, and I would say you got lucky, but 
I would say more than that, you worked really, really hard and you did something that we talk about on this podcast a lot. You took any and every opportunity. And I tell a story on this podcast a lot um, that there, I don't even know if you would remember this, but when we were expanding at first, there was someone I was introduced to and she said it was for an NBA fangirl. And she said, I really just like the Kings. Uh, and I really, the Los Angeles Kings. So call me when you do NHL fangirls and I'll take that job. Um, and my, my response was, that's no, that's not how it works. And I remember you right. saying, then she won't make it this industry because you have to be open to opportunities. You have to take opportunities as they come. I mean, you don't want to do anything you're uncomfortable with, but mm-hmm. you want to take opportunities as they come. And she had an opportunity that she turned down. And I remember you saying that. So I'd like to go back a little bit and say, I don't know that it's, yes, there is some luck, but you worked really hard. And as you said earlier, you did marketing, you did social media, you found ways to put yourself in front of the camera. You came on to Fangirl. We were a very new company. You didn't really know a lot about that. And you learned to write, you learned even more on camera. So I would say luck, maybe, but hard work. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to work hard. And that's one thing um, I always say is you have to take every opportunity. Like you said, I mean, given like you're not asked to, you know, kill someone or anything. Um, (laughs) You do need to take every opportunity in this industry, whether you think it's big or small, because you're always going to learn something. And I learn more at Fangirl than I ever learned at Fox Sports West because I was given reps that I didn't have. I was given an opportunity to talk about food and other things outside of X's and O's. And I learned how to write and I had more deadlines with Fangirl than I did with Fox Sports West. And Fangirl ended up turning into this huge brand where girls at West who were, you know, taking jobs as PAs or taking jobs as um, producers were asking me to get into Fangirl by the end because it had grown into just like this community of women that were starting to really break out into the sports industry. And so I obviously, I had no idea that was going to happen in 2016 when I signed on to Fangirl. But yeah, I think you just take every opportunity that you possibly can because you're going to learn something, or I hope you do, you know? Oh, absolutely. So talking about kind of when you said you talked, you learned about talking about food and beyond X's and O's, and that's something that you've done not only at, at, well, what's now Bally, Bally Mm -hmm. Sports West, but you're doing on your own. So you're, you're a storyteller, you know, when you're, you're sharing stories, when you do that, what are the main points necessary you think to tell a good story, whether it is you're sharing a recipe, because you guys may not know Taylor does that, Taylor's table, or if you're doing first pitch at the Angels game and you're sharing that story, what are the most important points to make sure you're getting the story across? That is a really good question and something that I like struggled with when I did sideline a lot. And it took me quite a few games to understand this. But I think the most important thing you need to remember when you're telling the story is to keep it simple. I found that I would start to write down a script of a story because I I had this really great way that I wanted to tell it. And then you get on camera and you realize you've lost so much of your audience because you're blabbering and trying to, you know, say it in a certain way. If you keep something so simple and you have a story that's captivating enough for your audience, that is good enough. When I do, you know, Taylor's Table 
things with videos now. It's like I tell one quick story about why this recipe is important to me and I keep it really simple. And most of the time, that's the only attention span that you have from people anyway. So for me, when I'm telling a story, when I'm doing a hit at the beginning of the game or even asking like halftime questions, it's always been keep it short, keep it simple. And you will, I find that you'll have a better reaction from your audience. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of the type of stories you're doing now at Bally Sports West and even how it's changed with the pandemic and how it's changed your preparation? Yeah, well, so I'll just take like, I've done two recently. Um, One was for the Padres and we were covering a YMCA. It was an event at the YMCA and it's the Padres, the Angels do it as well. It's called their RBI League and they teach young kids how to play baseball. And normally they're inner city kids and they give them free gear and all of this stuff. And and when you're given an assignment like that, you all always get more information than you need. You show up at the place with, you know, most of the time no one knows who's doing what and you kind of have to be your own producer. So when I went there and I did the introduction, we also had the helpful Honda people there. It's like so many moving parts. So all I did for my intro was basically, hi, we are here at the Jackie Robinson YMCA. And today some kids are getting the opportunity of a lifetime because they're getting free gear from the Padres. They're getting, and I explained the gear, you know, hats, gloves, jerseys, and they're going to learn how to play baseball and just that simple. And then you can, you know, roll out your piece into something more detailed. But if I were to go into explaining that the Padres connect with the Honda people and the helpful Honda people are here and they're going to get free tickets to Padres, you know, it's just like it gets too crazy where I, I have found for me that keeping it really simple in the beginning to get the story across. You can, I grab people's attention a little bit quicker. Um, Another one that I did recently that obviously changed because of the pandemic was I was able to interview doctors from Cedar sinai It was for Clippers playoff games. And we had these little health highlights. So I interviewed four different doctors. One of them was, um, an orthopedic surgeon. So we got to talk about preventing injuries, again, keeping it super simple. What are some things we should do to prevent injury? What are some common mistakes that most athletes make um, when they have an injury? I'm sure everyone can guess it's coming back too early. Mm -hmm. Um, I also got to interview someone, a ICU doctor who's just dealing with COVID patients. And so then I had to switch, you know, my caps of being a sports reporter to like, okay, what would the public want to know about COVID right now when there's a million questions and kind of keeping it simple. So there I just asked the basics, what can we expect? How can we help, you know, flatten the curve, all of those things. So those are my last two stories for Valley, which were so opposite and um, kind of interesting. So that's how stories have changed with COVID and just try to have how I keep things as simple as possible. And when we were at the height of the pandemic, how did your day-to-day change? What kind of what did you do to make sure you were staying kind of sharp and on top of things and, and not getting frustrated? Which for someone like you who is very busy and who is really always on the go and doing so many things, that can be really hard. It was incredibly hard. Like it took a toll on me emotionally. I feel like it still is. Like I'm still recovering from all this because you're right, I do love to be busy and I'm not nearly as busy as I was before. 
how things changed. Well, basically, um, March of 2020, I was scheduled for, I had just finished shooting on a Tuesday. I was scheduled for two more shoots Thursday and Saturday. Um, my producer had my memory card because I was shooting on my camera and he was supposed to bring it back to me that Thursday we were shooting. We were shooting a Dex piece with the Anaheim Dex. And the world stopped. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? I, you know, it was so hard to understand. And for about a month, no, maybe like two weeks, I was just trying to understand like what this was going to look like. And then I started saying like, okay, I need to learn something. Like I need to do, I cannot just sit here. So basically I told my husband, we're going to Best Buy to pick up a camera from curbside or to pick up a memory card from curbside. I picked it up and I told him that he was going to film me cooking dinner. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) I'm like, you're going to film me cooking dinner because I need to learn how to edit. And that Mm -hmm. was one thing um, I had been in my role at Fox for maybe three years. And um, the girl who I was with, Carlin, who I love and adore so much, she was getting a lot more opportunities than I was because she could shoot and edit her own thing. So instead of, for me, going to jobs, they would have to send a cameraman. And then when we came, the footage came back to the office, they had to hire an editor, whereas Carlin was kind of like a one-stop shop. She could go to Angels Games, film herself, go home, edit it, and send it in, and it was ready to go to social the next day. So I was like, now is the time. I don't have anything to do. And if anyone has ever learned to edit before, you need like a good 20 hours to just learn the language of editing. So Mm -hmm. I thought this was my perfect time. And my husband literally filmed me cooking dinner. And I spent, it took me my first video 27 hours um, to edit. And that's, that was like my quarantine project. I'm like, I'm going to get good at editing if my life depends on it. So I took that. I mean, I really had no intention of making cooking videos as a thing. I just wanted to learn how to edit. Um, And so that's what I did for like the first five months of quarantine. And I think I want to say it was around the summer or when things started lifting up a little bit. And we have this thing for Fox called our Go Top Tier Trends, where for each team, um, we kind of name the top three trends of the week and then cue tune in. And so, and you can, we were able to do these because you just do them in your car with camera set up. So I did them for clippers and I told them, I'm like, I can edit now. And um, I had already put out a couple of cooking videos. So I started getting even more opportunities in quarantine because then I was able to go by myself. I didn't need anyone. So I didn't need to interact with a camera guy or they didn't need to, I didn't need to get on the phone with an editor after because I was able to do it all myself. And I was able to work with my boss and just go through corrections. So I took basically um, the pandemic to learn how to edit, which I don't think most broadcast journalists way back in the day thought it was maybe the one of the most important things, but now it's like one of the most important skills that I have. Well, and you bring up a very good point. The more you know and the more opportunities you're going to get. I mean, you are a living example of that right now. It, it's And it's something that some of our other guests have said that they were like from the beginning, they knew how to do everything so that if someone said, can you do this? They never had to say no. And you also can't say yes if you can't do it. Right. It's a horrible feeling when you can't. It definitely is. And I think I remember during that time we talked and you were like, I just spent 27 hours editing a video, (laughs) but now I know how to do it. (laughs) And I I remember that number because I was like, wow, that's very impressive. But now 
you know how to do it. So now I know how to do it. And it's so important. I feel like, you know, when you're, and Fox would tell, I mean, I was I'm really close to all of my former bosses, bosses at um, Fox Valley. And they would always say like, you have to learn how to edit. You need to add more skills to your, you know, our, like you're great talent on camera, but like at, at this stage in the game, talent on camera, it's like, those people are the Krista Thompsons of the world, you know, where they don't, mm-hmm. uh, that's all they need to do is be great on camera. Those of us who are really small still need to know how to do a lot of other things. So if you could give someone one piece of advice for starting a career in sports journalism, what would it be? Oh, um, I would say two things. Take every opportunity you can get and know how to do more than be on camera and know how to edit, shoot, and produce. But one really simple piece of advice that I got right when I was coming out of college, starting at Fox Sports West, I had I did not know a single person in the sports industry. Like I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Someone told me, in this industry, the most important thing you'll ever hear is be nice to every single person you work with. Leave a good impression. Like it doesn't matter if they're the PA, it doesn't matter if they're cleaning up after you, if they're your audio, if they're setting up your mics for a sideline, you need to, because that will take you really far. You'd be surprised how much their input actually affects your the trajectory of your career. If you're in a TV truck and your audio guy is like, okay, that girl is so rude. That's mm-hmm. going to get back to your producer and all those things that I learned way later on. But that was one piece of advice that I always tell everyone. It's like so simple, but we all have those days where, you know, you're in a mood or you're nervous or you're uncomfortable and maybe, you know, bad feelings come out. And it's just always been really important to me to be kind to every single person that I work with and try to leave a really good impression. It's also good life advice. Yeah, true. <laughs> Very but it, true. Is, it is. And it's something I've, everything I've done and, and I've, done a few different things in my career. It is kind of something that people say all the time. And it's unfortunate that we have to say it mm-hmm. and remind people of that, but we do. And it is incredibly important. Yes. Have you had a mentor throughout your career? You know, what? I would, that's what I was trying to think about. And I feel like I, I don't really have one person. Um, And I think it's because I was thrown into this industry and I didn't really know what I was getting into. But I would say between my, I had a producer at Fox Sports West, um, Sarah Takata, my bosses like Ian and Andrea and Carlin, who was, we did the same thing. Um, And now she's like a reporter for the King. She's the NHL reporter for Valley Sports. She's huge were all really encouraging and helped me navigate um, my career at Fox because even when you're at a network, uh, there's so many different ways that you can start asking for opportunities, but asking it, asking for opportunities in the right way. And I feel like they they weren't necessarily mentors, but maybe a support system, people I looked up to, people I could talk to who understood, you know, exactly where I was coming from. But I never have had like one mentor who really took me under their wing and helped me. I would love one if anyone's like offering. <laughs> if there's anyone out there who wants to be yeah, a mentor, you out there. <laughs> find, uh, find Taylor. But I think... Having an amalgam of people in that way is, is great too, because you do learn a lot of different things. So yes. we'll consider it. We'll consider that a positive. But I can also understand wanting one specific mentor. So we're putting we're putting it out in the universe. Yes, putting feelers out there. Come find me. 
So Taylor, you've done a number of different stories at Fox Sports West, at Valley Sports West, at Fangirl. You did a, a bunch of different things, Taylor's Table. So I'm going to ask you, this is a three-part question. And if you okay. need me to remind you any of the parts, no worries. I'd love to know one of the most rewarding stories you've ever covered, most difficult and most fun. Okay. Um, okay, so I'm going to do the first two combined into one because the most difficult and the most rewarding were the same story. Okay. I um, found out maybe three days before NBA All-Star, my producer, the one who I just mentioned, um, I was obviously only covering digital things at Fox and uh, Christina Pink, who I'm sure all of you know. Um, Who's been on this podcast. Yes. She's amazing. She's actually mentored me quite a bit. Um, She was going to be out for some reason for NBA All-Star Weekend that happened to be in LA. And my producer was like, this is your chance. I am giving you this opportunity. You're coming with me to NBA All-Star. You're going to cover. We had Lou Will and Tobias Harris when he was with us. You are going to cover them start to finish. And you're also going to host Clippers Weekly, which was our magazine show. And I was so excited, but my jaw hit the floor because one, I've never hosted a show on television before. Two, I've never been to NBA All-Star Weekend. I'd only been to NHL All-Star Weekend, but it was local and I was with the Ducks and that's the team that I cover. I I had never experienced an All-Star Weekend like this. So I (laughs) was like, okay. And I told her, I don't know how to do this. I don't even know what media does at an all-star game because I'm used to being at the network that is the broadcast partner of our home team. So you get, uh, you get first access to everything. It's no big deal. So we, I went to NBA all-star weekend in LA. I'll never forget my first media scrum. I, my shoulder was shoved in and she was like, shove your mic in that guy's face. (laughs) Like what is happening? And it was absolutely insane. As you can imagine, like, you know, NBA All-Star Weekend, I feel like is just completely out of hand. And to have it in LA, I remember just like media days, we followed Lou and Tobias through um, all of their their different media stations. And first of all, NBA guys are completely different than hockey guys who I normally work with. So I was so scared trying to earn their trust. Tobias had just been traded. He was so sweet and so kind. Lou, on the other hand, I had to work him a little bit, but then they started to get to know me. And after the first day, I remember I came home. I'm like, I feel so drained. Like I was in every media scrum. I didn't even know what questions to ask. I I was so confused. Um, And then the second day, I'll never forget. We, um, Lou Will was in the, I think he was in the skills competition. And after um, PR was bringing them to their little table and Tracy, you know this because you cover the 49ers all the time. Like you're used to working with a bunch of different outlets, but Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what it meant to have PR say, here's Lou's table. And then three of us reporters, you know, come up. And I knew I had to get my question in. And so Lou looked right at me knowing I was his home broadcaster and I was put on the spot to ask questions. And right after um, a beat reporter for the Clippers who had been working I think he still might be there, uh, went up to my producer and was like, she asked incredible questions. I didn't even, you know, have to ask any, any follow-up, which is kind of what you hope for, right? You hope to get a lot mm-hmm. of the questions out. And after she told me that after I was like, I don't even remember what I said. Like I completely blacked out. And then right after that, 
they took me outside and I shot all of our stand-ups for Clippers Weekly in the middle of the crowd at NBA All-Star Weekend. I had guys heckling me. I had people throwing things at me. I was trying to just like keep a straight face. People were throwing things at you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had like a group of guys that were on their bikes. I was right outside of Staples like a little bit down Figueroa so we could get the mm-hmm. full view of Staples. And yeah, they were like laughing and try to trying to distract me from they knew I was going through scripts. And my that producer for me was incredible because she was able to tell me, do it again, punch this part again, you know? So she had me kept keep going. And they were just sitting there heckling me nonstop. And I got through that whole day. I'm like, what the heck just happened? Like I felt my body was just done. And after that, of course, got to enjoy All-Star. And um, I covered G League All-Star as well. But that will always go down as like my most rewarding because I challenged myself so much. It was also the like the hardest because I, I really didn't know what I was doing. And if you know me, you know, I like to be prepared for absolutely everything. And I didn't even know how to prepare because I didn't know what to prepare for. Um So that was one of those things that challenged me beyond like what I thought was manageable. I really did not think I could do that. So after completing NBA All-Star Weekend, getting my first show out on TV, all of my pieces were in that show. All of my interviews made it. Like I just felt on top of the world. So that was for my first two. And, and I, re- I actually remember that time. I 100% remember it and remember that weekend um, and was so excited for you and, and was so proud of you. And you did do an incredible job. And so I want to go back to something you said. You like to be prepared, which I very much know about you. And like you said, anybody who knows you knows that. Yes. And it's I think in this industry, we always like to be over-prepared. Mm-hmm. Do you think, though, that this was great practice for sometimes you can't be as prepared and figuring out a way to get it done. Yes, 100%. It was great practice. It's actually still one of the things that I that I work on because I, I still do like to be so prepared. But um, even now, like I covered the goals last season, you cannot prepare for a sideline game, right? You can't mm-hmm. right. You predict how the game's going to go. It was great preparation for that. I don't like it. I didn't love it because I didn't feel good right when I was there. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I knew the questions to ask or I was on top of my stuff and I knew I could talk to them about anything because I didn't know what was to come. Um, But I learned so much. I learned that I'm capable of a lot more than, than I think I am. And two, that we can do this without being prepared. You know, we're capable of talking to people. We're capable of getting points and stories across. It's just a matter of being prepared in your skill set. Yes, you need to know how to develop a relationship with athletes and and carry on a conversation and make sure that you're communicating with your producer and all those things. But um, yes, it helped a lot, a lot. Well, you make a really good point there. Being prepared in your skill set goes a long way. So the Mm -hmm. more reps, the more kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, the more reps you can do, the more you know how to do when opportunities like this come up, you can say yes, because there is a confidence in who you are as a reporter and as a host. And so the rest of it, you can figure out and get done. Right. Totally. So what is one of the most fun stories you've ever reported on? Or does that fit in that category as well? 
That was one of my most fun um, stories for sure. I think one of my most fun, just because I'm such a football person and you know, it was um, when I got to cover high school football. So I'll Mm -hmm. never forget like my first game and um, my first game actually got rained out. It's like we're in Southern (laughs) California. What do you mean a high school football game got rained out? Um, But I just remember like the atmosphere and energy. This was what I had wanted. I had always said, in the beginning of my career, my end goal was to be, you know, NFL sideline or in studio. So to have it even on the scale that is high school football, I was, that was like the most fun that I've had. And I covered them the entire season and just like, oh, you just feel so different when you're covering football. And so for me, covering high school football was my favorite. Is there a criticism that you received very early on, or even, I mean, it could be relatively recently in your career that was difficult to take, but helped you in the long run, whether it was a piece of constructive criticism that was just tough to hear, whether it was criticism that was completely invalid and you had to consider the source and figure out a way to get through it. Do you have a example of something along those lines? Yeah. I mean, I think I've gotten a lot of good criticism. I'm also the type of person that asks for criticism. Mm -hmm. I would rather you tell me than me make a fool out of myself out there. I think um, I used to, a lot of my producers tell me I used to talk and I think maybe you told me too. I don't know, but I used to talk with my head a lot, Um, Mm -hmm. nodding it side to side or nodding it up and down. And sometimes it comes across a little crazy on camera. And so, um, that was one of the things was just like keeping my head still, not like, you know, turning it a bunch of ways or sticking my neck out. I remember I got that. Um, talking with my hands, which I actually didn't, I'm not horrible at that. I, a lot of people get that criticism. Um, but it was, it's noticeable when you do it too much. And so, um, whenever I did, I would always ask, am I talking with my hands too much? And they're like, "Eh, yeah, you're on the verge there. (laughs) So, uh, probably those two things, but I like I said, I'm very big into criticism. Like I always ask, can I do it again? Did you like the way that sounded? Does my voice sound weird? Do I sound okay? Because they know best and they're acting as the audience first if you're not live. So I I would always rather hear. I would do it for my husband. My husband said the same thing to me. Your head's or he would tell me one a piece of advice that he gave me was when I was doing the goal sideline um the past season before the pandemic. Uh, when I was doing sideline questions, he told me I was pulling the mic away before Mm -hmm. I was finishing my question. Like I was getting too eager to get their answer. And so the end of my question was being cut off because I was putting the mic in front of their face. And he's like, you're, we're losing, you know, the end of your question because you're pulling it away. And that's, and he's like, that's just me picking you apart because I know you want me to pick you apart. So yes, I love all that. Those are probably my three things that I get criticized for. But that's a good, that's really good advice because I think what happens sometimes, especially when we're starting on a new project or a new thing we are excited, we want, we don't want to make the story about us. We want the story to be about them, but you still have to hear the question mm-hmm. and the audience still needs to hear the question and they still need to hear the question. And, right. and those are, those are like small things that make the reporting even better. So those are important things to know. Yes, very important. And they're helpful. You're like so nervous. There's so many things going on. You know, you got someone in your ear, you're nervous, you you want to ask the right question. You're nervous if the player is going to answer right that I wouldn't have even thought of that. How have you seen opportunities change and grow for women in sports? And how do you think we can still improve? Well, 
Um, I always think there's room for improvement. I don't think there's nearly enough women in sports. Um, how I think opportunities have changed is, I think, in the digital space. I think people before always thought that you didn't make it unless you were on television. And that, to me, is just certainly not the case anymore. I think if you're in the digital space, you're likely seen by more eyes or more mm-hmm. often than you would be um, on television. So I think... Um, the landscape has certainly changed from television to digital and social media and um, being able to do that. In terms of women in sports, I still think there's, in my opinion, a ton of room for improvement. I think everyone, you know, we tend to fill a certain role in the sideline role a lot of the time. Um, but I think I've seen a, one girl I follow, oh my God, I'm going to forget her name, but I think she's um, Minnesota, just got a hosting position. I would love to see more of that. Like more women sitting at the desk doing things that are mainly, you know, three men or five men or whatever. Even for us at Valley, we mainly have men um, on our desk. So that for me, I would love, because I would love to host one day. I would rather host than be on the sideline. So um, that's kind of my take on women in sports. Can you take us through a day in the life of Taylor Felix? Oh, my gosh. Well, um, no day is the same. Let me tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I God, I don't know. I guess I just like wake up, eat breakfast, work out. Um, I always try to answer emails, obviously. Um, and then I just try to do something for work. It depends what it is, because in this industry, you're not going to work every single day. Um mm-hmm. So if I'm not working, I'll try to, you know, learn a new editing skill, catch up. I always stay up to date on everything sports because I feel like if you're in this industry and you can't talk about what the heck is going on currently, then what are you doing? So um, (laughs) always kind of just like go through the top headlines of what's going on. And then um, I normally cook. I'll try to film something clean. I'm very organized around the house. I'm always trying to clean and organize my house. I'm also pregnant right now. So, you know, prepping for baby. Um, yeah, I don't think my life is very exciting though right now. Like a day in the life doesn't sound like anyone would want to come hang out with me. I don't think. Well, I would always love to come hang out with you. So you have one person here for sure that would. Yes. You know, when you say do something for work, if there, if it is a day where you don't specifically have a story to prep for what are you doing? I know you said you're staying on top of the headlines, but what specifically are you doing, you know, on those days? Because those are the hardest days, but probably the most important ones to make sure you're staying on top of things. Yeah. I mean, it's always just like figuring out for me, at least right now is figuring out ways to brand myself and put mm-hmm. myself out there. So sometimes, some days it's reworking my reel and realizing that like, oh, right now I'm at... I, Because sometimes I will literally look back on things that I used to hate that I did. Like, you know, a certain... um, I have my stand-ups or questions that I hate that I did. And I look back, I'm like, actually, that's pretty good. So so Mm -hmm. a lot of the times I'll rework my reel. Um, I will also... I've been working on a website, which is so hard. Um, So each day is just kind of finding like different ways to rebrand myself. So that way, when an opportunity comes up, I'm like completely ready. Here's my website. Here's my reel. Here's my resume. All that, That's normally what I'm always working on is like rebranding myself, making sure my Instagram looks good, cleaning things up, trying to find content to put out on Instagram that still makes me seem relevant, even if it, it's not always sports. Like I mm-hmm. will not forever be a sports reporter. I'm trying to branch out. So when days that I'm not working, it's creating a content calendar and figuring out, I mean, God, I remember I, 
fangirl, like you guys gave us the content calendar, but now trying to do it myself, it's like a full-time job, you know, trying to figure out what to put out on social every single day and to stay relevant and to stay on top of those things where you're still always building a brand for yourself, because that's like one of the most important things we can do as reporters and hosts is like, there's still a brand to be built here. It's not just your gig on the sideline or in front of the camera. You can have so much more than just that. So that's what I'm kind of trying to work on on the days that I'm not out at a gig. And that is a full-time job. Oh. It really is. I mean, in, in building your brand and, and understanding what that is and what people are responding to and what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And that's, I think for our listeners, it's really important because we are in a little bit of a weirder time than normal in this industry. And as you said earlier, there may not be as many opportunities on a daily basis as there were Mm -hmm. and finding ways to keep yourself on brand and relevant and and creating your own content and getting out there is really important in this day. Yes. Yes. So, um, this has been super fun. Um, because I love talking to you generally, and I think you have so much great insight, and I know our listeners love this, but I obviously can't let you go yet because we have to do my favorite thing in the world, five fun facts. <laughs> and yes. Taylor used to have to do, she used to have to write five fun facts for yes. Rams and Clippers players all the time and always did a great job. But so Taylor is very familiar with my love of fun facts. Oftentimes I tell our guests where it originated, but you know, and I think our listeners know at this point. So without further ado, five fun facts with Taylor Felix. Taylor, what is your favorite moment in sports? Favorite moment in sports? Uh, When USC beat UCLA 50 to zero. Well, I could see that that would be your favorite moment in sports for sure. What is your life motto? Um, be a good person. Oh, I like that. What is your go-to workout? Pure bar and Peloton. What is your go-to coffee order? Uh, well, right now I'm drinking decaf, but normally it's a cold brew with sugar-free vanilla and a splash of almond milk. And a book every woman should read. Oh, what books? Um, oh my God, I just read it. Oh, what is it called? It's sitting on my nightstand. I could go run over there right now. You can go run. You can run over there. Okay. Let me run over there. Look at it. Okay. Okay. It's called Luckiest Girl Alive. It's not going to teach you anything about the world, but it is going to take your mind out of your life for a little bit. And in my opinion, that's what every book should do. That's totally fair. I read that book and it absolutely will do that. Now, I think you also had prepared your own five fun facts. I did because I was so used to like, you know, when you tell me five fun facts, I just have to gather information. I appreciate that. So let's do it. Let's get five fun facts from Taylor Felix. Okay, here are five fun facts. I'm the oldest of four kids. I do not eat cheese. No cheese on pizza. Nada. No cheese at all. Um, I am a USC Trojan. Uh, My favorite city in the whole wide world is New York City. And... Cooking is my second hobby slash now my second job. So if you want some recipes, you can follow me on Instagram. Yes. Follow, what is your Instagram? Ta- well, we'll tag you, but tell everybody your Instagram so they have it. Taylor.Felix underscore. There you go. And you can watch Taylor's table. And she's also an incredible cook because we used to do uh, game day and tailgate recipes. And <sighs> Taylor always had the best. And your guacamole to this day is one of my favorites of all oh time. The good um, days. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me. This was so fun. 
Of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And if you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, then make sure to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And we just launched a new line of merchandise. So check it out at shop.fgsn.com. It's my favorite line to date, and it's really cute. And with that, I'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.